As part of Black History Month in October, I interviewed Pastor Calvin Young, who's the Senior Minister at Mount Zion Community Church in Aston, and in recent months has taken a bit of a lead in pulling together church leaders from right across the city to discuss and pray for racial justice. Now here at Church Central, this very much fits with the journey we're on, where from day one, we've set out to reflect the rich diversity in our city. More than that, our desire isn't merely to be a diverse family of churches, but churches that include, celebrate, and empower those from a minority background. In this fourth episode, we're reminded that the church is a body, and if one part of the body is hurting, then it affects all of the body. And even if we may not feel the pain acutely, if another part of the body does, then that matters. very easy I think for someone like me who is a white Christian who maybe has a, a very sketchy understanding of all of that history to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing that triggers yeah. all of that. Um, any advice that you can give to me or other white Christians in terms of not avoiding these issues, how to help in terms of reconciliation and healing and repentance and working together around this rather than avoiding it or being awkward around it or embarrassed of it or judging yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, very good question. I, 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 let me just put it on record. Um, Clearly, I, I don't hold um, white people in our generation responsible, okay? Uh, and I don't hold white leaders responsible um, for what took place um, um, hundreds of years ago. Um, and so I think we have to just step back and realize that this was some stuff that was done by people from our own country here and from the United States. Um, and, you know, not to, it's very difficult. And, and some of um, the white folks in my congregation say, I I'm not sure if I can actually listen to this kind of stuff and don't feel guilty. And I've had to say to them, of course you're not guilty, you weren't there, you know. Um, but what needs to happen, there needs to be an understanding. For me, that's the key word. It's an understanding of how black people have been treated, how black people uh, have suffered, how they're still suffering, and be able to empathize with them rather than saying, it's time for you to get over it. Uh, you've got a chip on your shoulder. I think those things do does not help. Um, and I think they are defensive words that you know, you're feeling uncomfortable with the issue and therefore, you know, let's not talk about it, you know, so that I can feel comfortable with where I am. Well, we are the body of Christ. 
And so if one part of the body is hurting, then the whole body is feeling it and should be feeling it together. You know, so for me, I, I, I don't want us to run to a quick repentance over this because we're feeling guilty. What needs to happen? There needs to be education so that we can gain understanding. And from that understanding, we can start empathizing with each other. And then we can start addressing some of these issues in a sensitive way. So, you know, I've said to some of our leaders, please don't take it personal. However, Jonathan, because we are, it is our turn on the block, <laughs> we are, we've got leadership responsibility as well as being members of the body of Christ. We can't pass it on to our children and our grandchildren to deal with. We have to start dealing with it so that when they come along, they're in a better world and a better place to continue to address these issues. So we have a responsibility as leaders. We can't stray away and say we weren't there. Um, this is now our turn and we need serious um, leadership to address this matter. Yeah, I, I certainly feel that responsibility. And I wonder if part of it is creating safe spaces to have these kinds of conversations where people are able to share their own story without fear of being judged or misunderstood um, and for us to have the humility to learn from one another and understand one another yeah. and this matters because of what you say about we are one body and yeah. if one part of the body is hurting it affects all of the body and yeah. so even if the other part of the body doesn't really feel the pain, the fact that another part of our body is in pain does matter, which is why we've got to work hard on this, don't we? And it feels like some of the stuff that's been happening this year, whether it's around George Floyd or uh, the, the Black Lives Matter movement and the marches and the protests and recognize that it can get political and there may be some bits we we don't fully go along with but mm. it feels like things are coming to the surface and it is an opportunity for our generation to make a difference and do something about it and yeah. I, I know we both believe that the church should be right at the forefront of this because of the theology that you've alluded to in terms of we know where it all came from, we yeah. know where it's all heading, um, mm -hmm. and the gospel is the, the one thing on earth that has power to break down divides. And so we actually start from a place of unity, mm -hmm. and we, we often do all we can to break that unity, but that there is a depth of unity that we can build on. And so... Yeah, I, I think my, my call to Church Central uh, and to other churches here in this city would be, let's take this mandate really seriously. Yeah. Model to our city in our generation what unity really can look like, um, which involves all of us going out of our comfort zones, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel I've been, I've been forced out of my comfort zone to take some leadership responsibility to, to help us to understand the, 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 the journey and the story of, of Black people. And I think that's where we, all, we all, all are. We have to recognize that this is not a comfortable thing. 
Um, we have to, however, understand. And for me, I really believe this is, what, this is where my motivation is coming from, is that the Lord prayed that they may be one, even as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is one. And when that oneness is in operation, the world will believe the message of the gospel. But if there is fragmentation of the body of Christ, and we're all doing our own thing in our own separate silos, and we, there is no coming together, and there is no praying together, there is no healing together, there's no communion together, uh, that body of Christ is, 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 is in disunity. If your arm is doing one thing, your ears are, your eyes is looking and going somewhere else. And it, 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 you cannot pour anointing oil on that because it's dysfunctional. And how blessed and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. For there the Lord commands the blessing, even life forevermore. So when the church comes together, it is the most powerful vehicle that will bring about transformation within our society and definitely with this issue that we are actually dealing with. Yes, the media will push the whole thing up when there's an incident, but then it dies down and it moves and shifts its focus elsewhere. For me, as the church, this is a reformation moment that God is doing within the church. And if we can catch and hear the prophetic voice of the Spirit of God, I believe we will see another reformation that takes place within the church and then within the wider world and our communities. And you read church history, each reformation has been, a, or each revival, or each work of God has been around something a little different. And yes. I, I can't help thinking right now in our time in our day in our age in our generation this whole issue of race is is what's going to nail it and what will have most impact and most effect uh, also aware is that we have an enemy who mm -hmm. loves to sow division and uh, rip apart what God has joined together yeah. and I guess around this whole conversation uh, the enemy is constantly looking to bring suspicion and hatred and discord and just want to be clued up to what's going on and fight against that rather than fighting one another yeah um, yeah you're spot on, Jonathan, absolutely spot on. You know, the, the Bible says Jesus defeated um, this, this spirit, this enmity. I had to go back and look at that word enmity and it's deep-seated hatred. And, and Jesus, the only way he could deal with it was to take it to the cross and nail it to the cross and broke that, um, that spirit and that division that's been there for a long time. And so um, I, I coined the phrase, the war is over. The wall has been broken down. So we now are in unity. We're not fighting for unity. We are in unity, the unity of the Holy Spirit. And maintaining that unity is our job. That is hard work. And the enemy will do everything he can 
to make sure that he throw us off course and we become apathetic to this issue and we don't feel it's important enough to give my time to. And all the time, it's the work of the enemy. And I think, you know, that's why we need to pray. And that's why we started with prayer. And I would encourage you, if you're going to be addressing this issue within your, your church and, and fellowship, that it is covered and bathed in a lot of prayer and fasting because the enemy would want to get in there to bring all kinds of disruption. Well, as you head into today, don't forget some of the truths that Calvin's reminded us of. The war is over. The wall has been broken down. So we're not fighting for unity. Our job is maintaining that unity. And although we can't change the past, we can shape what happens in the future by our actions in the present. As followers of Jesus, we have an opportunity and responsibility to make a real difference. So let's resolve to model in our city what unity can look like. And if you want some ideas about how to go about this, come back tomorrow where there'll be practical tips aplenty.